0: Hi, I'm Connie, and this is From Chaos to Peace with Connie, episode number 59 How Perfectionism Gets in Your Way with Dr. Camilla Williams. Welcome back, everyone. How are you doing? This is episode number 59 of the From Chaos to Peace podcast, where you learn how a few minutes a day keeps the chaos away. Thank you so much for allowing me back into your ears. Please subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you love my podcast, you can help by going to Apple Podcasts and write a review. This will help that more people find it and can move from chaos to peace in their life and business. (laughs) So today I'm talking with Dr. Camilla Williams, and she is a psychologist who has specialized in perfectionism, anxiety, and stress management. Dr. Camilla calls herself a perfectionist in recovery, and she also says that we often, as perfectionists, are only perfect in one area of our life, but not so much in others. We also talk about how you can spot if you are a perfectionist or not, the difference between a high achiever and a perfectionist, how perfectionism is self sabotage how procrastination is related to perfectionism and how we stress ourselves out with procrastination. We talk about the price you pay in your life for being a perfectionist, the two pathways on how we become perfectionists, trying to protect ourselves as children, and so much more. So without further ado, let's jump into this conversation. Welcome Camila to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show and thank you for taking the time. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I really appreciate the time to talk about this because I love talking about anything to do with perfectionism and organizing. That's my jam. Yeah, mine too,
0: as you could imagine. So tell us a little bit first about you. Why did you become obsessed with perfectionism? And is that the reason why you're a psychologist?
1: Uh, Yes and no, right? They say it takes one to know one. Uh, I call myself a perfectionist in recovery. Uh, and so I've had to learn to, to catch myself and manage my own brain and kind of overcome my own perfectionist tendencies, but I was really just drawn into psychology because I was trying to understand a lot of the stories of the people around me. And I was really drawn by people's stories. And I think that's what psychologists really get to do is we get to be a part of people's stories and be a part of that journey. And I just love that kind of work. I kind of settled in on perfectionism in part because I'm very familiar with it, having gone through it myself, but I also kept seeing it as a very common theme across all different kinds of clients. And I really kind of started picking up on it as, as a a growing problem, I think in today's culture. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I'm definitely also a perfectionist. I don't even know whether I'm in recovery. I'm for sure not, I sure haven't overcome it, but so what would you say, how do we know if we're a perfectionist?
1: So there, there are quite a few things that um, will help you know if you're a perfectionist. Because one of the things I hear is that people say like, well, my life's not perfect and things are a mess and you know everything feels overwhelming and I'm definitely not a perfectionist. But when I start asking them about the specific things they're doing, then we really start to pick up on. But you're still wanting to be perfectionist, even though you don't feel like things are perfect. So one of the most common things that a perfectionist will do is they're always comparing themselves to those around them. So every single thing you do, you can't help but stop and look at the person next to you and see like, am I doing it better? Am I doing it worse? Are they farther ahead or everywhere? You do this at school. You do this at home. You do this at work. And the problem with that is that you always feel like what you're doing isn't good enough. There's always a sense of, well, I could have done this. I could have done more. I could have done differently. Because every time you look at someone else, you're going to see that they're doing something a little differently than you are.
0: Yeah. But so now that I have, of course, two um, questions for that. So one Mm -hmm. is... Aren't we a little bit raised to look what others are doing? I just remember from my childhood, my mother often said, well, your girlfriend was better in school or she had better grades or she behaves better. So I was constantly kind of told to compare myself with my friends, yeah. especially when it was about them being um. Nicer or better in school, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So, the, and I and I don't say that my mother did this out of um, like trying to make me a perfectionist, but I think this is a little bit human nature, maybe almost. And then the yeah. second part to this is mm-hmm. now with social media. Now we don't need the mother to tell us to compare oh, ourselves. Yeah. Now we have social media, so that's kind of like yeah. the the next part.
1: Yeah, I'll start with the second part. Social media has definitely increased um, kind of issues of perfectionism because you're always comparing yourself to what others are posting on social media. And it's creating a bit of a split where you are curating and kind of censoring what you choose to put out there. So people are only seeing certain sides of you and not all of you. And that really creates a scenario for people to really second guess their sense of worth, um, to have kind of doubts or anxieties about like, well, if people really knew, they really knew what I'm like, then maybe they wouldn't think that I was, you know, as great as I appear to be. But we're definitely socialized into this growing up. I, I kind of I love the, the gold star example um, in school. Like, you know, well, she got a gold star. Where's your gold star? And it creates that sense of comparison and competition. And so I like to distinguish and, and, and separate people who I call high achievers and people who I call perfectionists, right? The high achiever can kind of use that as a bit of a motivation or a competition to do better. The thing is for perfectionists, it feeds into the sense of I'm not good enough or the sense of in order to be loved and accepted, in order to be praised, I have to earn it. I have to prove it. And so I I call it this idea between a push and a pull, right? Where a high achiever, they're pulled towards that gold star just because they want it. Like That would be fun to try and go get it and let's see if we can get it. Whereas a perfectionist, it's like they're being pushed, like forced in that direction of, I have to do this because if I don't do this, my mom's going to be disappointed in me. My friends aren't going to like me. My teacher's going to think I'm an idiot. No one's going to want to hire me. And you see how the brain immediately starts to spiral into that really negative place. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I. I identify definitely with the second
0: (laughs) second group of people. On your website, I also saw that you're talking about different personality types and that they need different ways to deal with it. Is that kind of what you're talking about? So the people who feel pulled towards a gold star, let's say, they're Mm -hmm. probably less likely perfectionists. They might be um, not as hard on themselves if they don't get the um, gold star. And I just can say for myself, so I was probably more pushed or I, and now I'm my worst enemy, I push myself. And then if I don't reach it, then I'm hard on myself. And it goes into self-worth, just like you said. So are these the two different personality types or you have more personality types in there? Yeah.
1: So from, from the website, I was, I was just kind of trying to help people look at the different ways they experience stress, right? Because it can be very stressful to always have this pressure to perform well and to achieve and, um, but different people will resonate with different ways of managing the stress. I didn't get into like the Enneagram personality types or the different diagnoses, not, not that at all, but perfectionists are usually under so much stress, so much overwhelm because their brains never turn off. Even after you did something, you keep thinking about it and you keep thinking about how you could have done it differently and how you could have done it better. When you're supposed to be at home relaxing or on vacation, you keep thinking about that to-do list on the back of your head. So there's never this sense of like genuine downtime where you can genuinely relax. And that's why they tend to get stressed and burn out. And so certain personalities respond better to different stress management techniques. So for example, a lot of the perfectionists I work with, they say like, "Oh, everybody tells me to do deep breathing." Like, just take a deep breath and do your meditation and deep breathing. And they hate it because their brain is always go, go, go. And now you're saying like, well, manage your stress by breathing. And as soon as they sit still to breathe, it's like their brain goes in overdrive. Like, oh, you finally sat still. Thank you. Now let's think some more. And so, you know, I'm like, right. And so like, okay, deep breathing isn't the right type of stress management for your perfectionist personality, you actually need something more active. And so a lot of the people I work with actually really enjoy doing like puzzles, or coloring, or some type of craft where it's very soothing, because you kind of get into the flow and the motion, but it's keeping the brain preoccupied on something. Mm -hmm. So it's not just spinning out of control and going nuts.
0: Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, um, so my brain goes <laughs> <echoes laughs> nuts too sometimes, <laughs> and I even would have to be careful with coloring and uh, puzzles because um, I can multitask pretty good. So I could mm-hmm. spin out on something and still concentrate yeah. on the puzzle. Yeah. So what are what are some um, it's like a, I I find it so fascinating. Like most most people, maybe don't even realize that they're a perfectionist. So what what would be other things or other yeah. other so indicators thing- that somebody is a perfectionist? Like yeah. other than the mind spinning and other than mm-hmm. over analyzing what we before we
1: do it, while we're doing it, and afterwards, you know? Yeah. So. It like, so one thing that perfection, and again, I'm giving examples and it's not like every perfectionist does this is just, you know, just samples. But one of the things a lot of perfectionists love to do is to make lists and to stay organized. But here's kind of the, the, the caveat is that a lot of times perfectionists are really organized only in one area of their life. Usually the area where they're trying to be very nitpicky and detail oriented And then all the other parts of their life are kind of super cluttered and overwhelming. So I would do this at work. So my desk at work was immaculate. Like all the papers were organized. I had everything color coded. I didn't like piles of things on my desk and people are like, you're a neat freak. But you opened up my inbox, my email, and I had over 200 messages. And every time I opened up that clutter and all the files on my computer, like I could never find what I needed because it was so disorganized. And that's kind of what perfectionists will do. Like you might be so nitpicky and detail oriented at work, but because you use all your time and energy and keeping everything just perfect at work, everything at home is piling up. This is where the mail piles up for weeks on the counter. The laundry is just making a bigger and bigger mountain on the table. (laughs) Nothing's getting put away. And part of that is because perfectionists spend so much energy, physical energy and mental energy into the areas that they're very particular about, that they just don't have the energy to clean and organize all the other parts of their life. And so people will usually see this split. I had a client who was very perfectionist about her work, but her car looked like she was living in her car because things just kept piling up. But you wouldn't know it unless you saw it because on the outside, she you know was very meticulous. So making lists and organizing perfectionists love that, but some perfectionists kind of have that bit of a split. The other thing that perfectionists will do with lists is, um, they make lists that aren't helpful. I call them stress diaries. You're just creating a diary of your stress because you keep making lists, but you never check anything off of it. And it's just making you more overwhelmed. So that's another really common thing. Um, The other two things that perfectionists will do, and this is one of the reasons why I work with this so much, because this is near and dear to my heart is they tend to give up easily or not try. And I do feel like these are the two things that really hold perfectionists back. The giving up easily, it's, there's such a fear of not being good enough or of people seeing through the facade of all the things you've accomplished and like realizing like, oh, well, maybe you really, you know, that's imposter syndrome. Maybe you really don't belong here. Maybe you really don't know what you're doing. And so if something feels too hard, a perfectionist will give up because if I keep doing it and then I fail, then that's proof that I'm a failure and that I suck. So it's safer to just give up and not really find out if I would have failed and fallen flat on my face because I get to protect my ego. It's a way to protect my ego and still feel a little bit safer about myself. And on a similar vein to the giving up, it's just not trying. If there's a new project or a new task or something that seems interesting, but part of your brain is like, yeah, but can you really do it? I don't think you can really do it. So it's, kind of like this fear of taking a risk, because what if I take a risk and I fail and now I have proof and everyone else can see that I really do suck and I couldn't do it. That can bring up so much anxiety and stress that perfectionists tend to play really small. Sorry, I know that was long winded, but I get on a soapbox about this. Yeah, no, totally. And and
0: I come across that a lot when I try to help people or when I help people with decluttering, because um, so it starts early on already, most think, and I always talk about this over and over and over, most think, oh, first I need the re- an empty weekend to do it. I need the whole free weekend to <laughs> oh, even yes. do anything. And I'm like, no, it's not going to work that way. Because even if you had this free weekend, which you probably don't, but if you even had it, you wouldn't start because it's just too, too big. So yeah. Yeah and then they give up before they even start because they think oh I don't have the time so I can't do it that's why my slogan is always a few minutes a day keeps the chaos away <laughs> you're like do something <laughs> little and also something where you were um where you don't put too much pressure on yourself but yeah it's it's sad when you think about how and and I mean I do we all sabotage ourselves in our own way so I definitely do it too not even starting or um Failing ahead of time, basically, mm-hmm. no, because you're yeah. you're kind of like, "Oh, I'm not sure I can do it. So let's just not even try. And then you fail ahead of time. You're so afraid of failing, but you're failing, you're making right. yourself fail, which is kind of crazy what our brain
1: does to us, no? That's exactly what happens. It's that type of self-sabotage. And um, I really like you, you reminded me when you said like, oh, I need a whole weekend and I need to get all these things and I need to buy this, you know, specific organizing system. Like that is perfectionism to the core, which is you're always planning and preparing and getting ready, but you're never actually doing. Um, And so it's a sense of like, you know, It's a bit of this all or nothing thinking a perfectionist, their brain is just like, if I'm going to do something, I have to go all in. And that feels so overwhelming that they kind of get paralyzed, they get stuck in this place where they're never actually starting.
0: Yeah. So now I just had a a thought. So perfectionism often, or most likely leads to procrastinating. Mm -hmm. So now if you do have a deadline that you can't um, avoid or mess for something, uh, I would... assume that the perfectionist kind of like um plans and plans and plans and plans but then it comes into this time crunch where he actually ha- he or she has to do something mm-hmm. and um it, do you see that a lot with um, in your uh, practice too that and then we're actually setting or the perfectionist actually sets him, herself or he, himself up for failure because we don't give ourselves
1: enough time to do the job at no. hand
0: because we planned and we procrastinated and and whatever.
1: Yes. I mean, you, I mean, you perfectly described it. Uh, Procrastination is one of the biggest behaviors that I work on with people is how to stop procrastinating because procrastinating in itself is a stress relief. It's stress management. So I have this big task and I'm telling myself I have to do it all and I have to do it perfectly and I have to get it all done this, you know, three day weekend and that is stressing me out. So the moment I tell myself, well, I'll I'll do it later. I get that little bit of oh, a, a relief. And that becomes a habit where every time I put something off, I get a little bit of a relief. But it's not genuine relaxation because it's still thinking about it in the back of your head of what you, you have to do. And then when you get into that time crunch. I say this is kind of shooting yourself in the foot, but perfectionism is always about um, protecting. I always tell people, don't feel bad about it. Like, let's not beat yourself up even more. This is just how you've learned to protect your feelings, to kind of protect your heart, protect yourself. So if I'm afraid that I'm not good enough or that I really don't know what I'm doing, and I wait until the last minute to do something and it doesn't quite turn out as well as if I had started earlier. I have an excuse where it's not that it didn't turn out well because I suck. It's well, it didn't turn out well because I didn't have enough time. Mm -hmm. All right. It's a little like it's a self-sabotaging way to protect my ego. You know, well, I could have gotten an A if I spent all two weeks doing this paper, but you know, I did it overnight on an all-nighter and I, you know, was running on fumes and of course I got a B. but I could have done better if I spent more time. It's like, you just shot yourself in the foot there, but you get to protect your ego. Because if I spend all two weeks on it, and I give it my all, and I still get a B, then there's this part of like, wait a second, I really did give it my all. And I'm not an A plus student. Am I really that stupid? Am I really not good enough? Do I really belong in this class? right. And you can translate that to work and home and relationships yeah, yeah, you can
0: definitely tra- uh, translate that into trying to get organized and all that. And and uh, and uh, how people say beforehand already, oh, I don't have enough time. And, and then I always say, like, if you would be more organized, you would automatically have more time because you mm-hmm. would less waste less time searching things or getting frustrated with things. Um and then and then when when they actually do something finally then they say exactly that they say yeah if i would have had more time i could have been even better but i of course i didn't yeah so it's so funny our brain it's so funny and i always say like uh, with clutter too and it all starts in in the brain it's all mental clutter mm-hmm. it's all these limiting beliefs this yeah. perfectionism and everything now just to turn this around and put a little twist on it. So are there any positive things about trying to be a perfectionist or is it all
1: all doom and gloom and negative? Yeah, I, you know, I like to talk about it in terms of, you know, high achiever and perfectionism. I think it's definitely the positives of striving to achieve more, um, but really approaching it from a, let's try this out Let's enjoy the journey. Let's see if we can do it rather than that perfectionist piece of, you know, I have to do this to prove to everyone, to prove to myself that I really am good enough. Um, The positive thing I would say, and I'm I'm really hesitant to say this because we, you know, we twist it so much. Like I had a client and she was like, I love my perfectionism. Like, this is why I've gotten to where I am. And she was a physician. This is how I've achieved. And I graduated top of my class and I'm one of the top performing physicians. Like my perfectionism has gotten me like where I am. I love it. I'm like, so why are you here? Like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, you know, I, I, I realized that I'm being really irritable and critical of my children. Mm -hmm. And so her, her high standards, she was placing her high standards. And she had that moment of like, I know you're just three years old, but why can't you do it this way? And she's like, oh no, I recognize that. That's like that perfectionism criticism. And so she realized that that there was that, that negative. And so I, I do get a lot of people who will say, yeah, there's positives where I get to achieve so much in one area of my life, but you usually pay a price for it in another area which is why you kind of have to learn to kind of step back away from that perfectionism. I also like to remind people that perfectionism usually comes out as a a way of protecting myself. So growing up, the two most common pathways that I see among people, and of course, there's always an exception to the rule, but the two most common pathways is uh, perfectionism as a way to protect from a very harsh or critical environment. So maybe your parents had very high standards, were very exacting on you, or maybe your parents had bipolar or were alcoholic and there was a sense of chaos at home and you never knew what to expect. And so you learned that if you did things perfectly, you didn't get hurt, you didn't get hit, you didn't get yelled at. And so that perfectionism kind of comes away of staying safe and not getting hurt. The other pathway are kids who kind of grow up feeling a bit left out. Um bit socially awkward. Maybe they were bullied um, or it's just, they just kind of happened to learn that, Hey, when I get that gold star, I get praise and attention. So how do I get attention? I got to do well. I have to achieve. I got to overdo it. Cause that way, then dad will pay attention to me. Then the other kids will be like, Oh, wow. That's so cool. Look at that trophy you have. And so they, they learn to use that again as a way of getting love and acceptance. So that's, I would say, is a, the original positive is these are behaviors that you learn to protect yourself from getting hurt and to help yourself get love and accept it. And we all want that. It's just that when we overuse it and when we grow up, these same behaviors no longer serve us and they usually come at a high price. And that price is our mental energy, our time, and especially if it's holding you back and you keep playing small because you're afraid of failing so you're afraid of trying yeah oh man
0: (laughs) it's like um yeah it's it's a hard one it's a hard one so you have um like one or two tips how I myself, because I'm definitely uh, in uh, a perfectionist. Um, I'm trying to be in recovery. <laughs> it doesn't always work for me and for my listeners who are often also perfectionists, especially around their home or, or being organized. They don't like to invite people because their home is a mess or whatever. Any tips how we could overcome this a little bit when we struggle of perfectionism? Yeah.
1: I think the interesting thing is that a lot of the tips I use are the same tips you use to help people kind of declutter little by little, which is how do I step away from this all or nothing? Is you got to learn to yeah. take small steps. Yeah. And so yeah. I always like to ask people, you know, this idea of you have to stop waiting, right? That I'm going right back to that procrastination. You have to stop waiting because a perfectionist, a lot of times there's a sense of when I clean my whole house and everything is spotless then i can sit down and relax when i lose weight then i will feel confident and you know be able to buy nice clothes when I get that promotion at work, then I can finally start, you know, setting better boundaries at work and not bringing work at home. So there's always this sense of in the future, when I do this, then I will finally be able to feel better. And the truth is, is that it never works out that way. Whatever you're feeling now, you're going to feel that <laughs> in the future. So it's this idea of you have to stop waiting and you have to really think about, um, I call it focusing on the journey. You, you keep waiting for that end goal that outcome, like when this is finally clean, then it's like, no, you got to figure out how can you start to relax and enjoy the journey now and not wait until the future. And so you mentioned kind of breaking things down into small steps minute by minute. So that's what I'll have people do is kind of a calendar, you know, schedule it into your calendar. Like, okay, you need to relax that's you want a clean house so that you can sit down and relax well until you get that clean house how can you make sure you're taking five to ten minutes a day to sit down and relax yeah you got to get creative here because it's going to be different for everyone yeah so i know this is easier said than done and this is why it's so helpful to have a friend or someone who can call you out on it yeah (laughs) who can see like oh you're doing that again yeah Um, The other thing um, is just a simple mantra, a simple phrase that I love to use with people and to just keep remembering is the difference between I have to and I choose to. Yeah. Um, So I I, as a mom, I use this example a lot. It's like, oh, I have to cook dinner again. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta feed the kids. It's like, no, you don't. It's like, of course I do. Like why well, I have, to, I have to cook and feed the kids. Like what kind of mother would it be if I didn't do it? And I'm like, no, you don't have to do anything. It's like, no, I have to, because if I don't then I'm neglecting the kids and child protective services are going to get called away and they're going to take my kids away. I have to, and I'm like, okay, that sounds a little different. You're choosing to, because you don't want to neglect your kids. You're choosing to, because you don't want to get CPS involved. It feels different. I have to make dinner versus No, I'm choosing to make dinner because this is the kind of mom I want to be. So that simple language shift puts you in a place of more control and more power. And so especially if you're trying to do that with decluttering, like, oh, I have to because people are coming over this week. And it's like, no, the more you can step into, no, I'm choosing to because I want this, this and this. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, you might find out that you really don't have to. (laughs) <laughs> if you don't have a good reason for choosing to, you can have that moment like, oh, maybe I don't have to. And you get to take something off your plate, which we all need to do.
0: <laughs> yeah. Awareness. That's often the the, the thing too. It's like, do I really have to? Or mm-hmm. is it just because my like I'm so in the in the role and in the habit of doing it? Yeah, yeah. totally. Totally. Um So I could talk with you for hours about (laughs) perfectionism, but I think we should be mindful of uh, your time and my time and the listeners time so where can people find you if they're now intrigued want to learn more about how they can
1: Um, I am on Instagram and Facebook. So whichever platform. So on Instagram, it's just at Dr. Camilla Williams. And same thing on Facebook at Dr. Camilla Williams. I try to do a lot of tip videos. And if people have questions, maybe about anything I said today, that's like, wait, what do you mean by that? Or you want to know more by all means, reach out to me, send me a message. Um, I'd love to, to talk more about it.
0: Yeah, oh that's very generous. Thank you. Uh do you want to end with any words of wisdom or is everything said?
1: <laughs> oh, I you know <laughs> I'll I'll end with this, right? Um so many of us, I feel like in our culture of self-improvement and self-development, there's so much pressure of I need to do more, I need to be more. Even with just like cleaning and organizing the house. Like, I, it needs to be more and different. And I always just like to remind these people to come from this place of enoughness of how you are right now is good enough. Um, you don't need anything more to be any more worthy to those around you. And I, that really like, um, I'm just like, if you ever have a fur baby, I'm sorry, I'm going a little bit on a tangent. If you have a fur baby, a pet, you never come home to your pet and be like, so did you vacuum the floors and do the dishes and take out the trash? What are you doing here? You're just laying around all day, taking up space. We don't do that to our pets. We don't expect them to earn their place in our home, in our hearts. We just love them just for existing. And that's the kind of love that we need to learn to have for ourselves. Just I am worthy just because I exist.
0: Thank you. That's very, very beautiful. I agree. And somehow hard to do. (laughs) We can do it with the fur babies so much easier than with ourselves now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much um, for your time, for your wisdom. This was really awesome. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, my friends, that was my conversation with Dr. Camilla Williams. If you want to find out more about Camilla and how she helps her clients overcome perfectionism, you find all the links of the things we were talking about in the show notes. And the show notes you'll find at conigraph.com forward slash podcast forward slash 59. That is ConnieGraph, C-O-N-N-Y-G-R-A-F dot com forward slash podcast forward slash 59. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today and listening all the way to the end. If you found value in what Dr. Camilla and I were talking about, please share it with your family and friends, because if you found value in it, they will too. Have a beautiful and amazing week, and please subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you next time. Take good care and be safe.